I'm Sadia Tariq and you're listening to Thani the podcast. After having played 2 hours of tennis that day only she was diagnosed with aggressive triple negative breast cancer. And what ensued was treatments, radiations, medical consultations and loads of medication. And amongst all this painful intrusiveness what happened was that she found a relationship with her disease of peace of smiles of humor and of course a purpose our guest today is shazia calvert davies hi shazia and thank you so much for being on dhani thank you sadia it's my pleasure to be here um you know as we all know there are um, ebbs and flows mm-hmm. and there's um, life is kind of full of um, surprises uncertainties um yet there always comes a point in time where we realize how fragile everything is yes absolutely um and and in that situation we also become aware of sometimes the purpose the intention you know things kind mm-hmm. of start making sense somehow through the ebbs and flows absolutely um you've been you've been traveling the world you've lived in many diverse cultures uh please take us through your ebbs and flows sure well i i'll give you a little introduction i was uh, born in karachi and spent my childhood between england and the middle east and luckily for us my great puppy lived with us so i was very privileged to be brought up bilingual and had great exposure to the urdu language and i completed a very british education interestingly my background with pakistan i had a short stint as a model in pakistan in the 90s probably the most iconic moment was when i ballet danced mm-hmm. off a train for the designer shamail uh oh some people really? yes yeah, some people may remember that it was a very famous fashion show in karachi at a train station uh in the 90s and following that i did a few revlon tv commercials some magazine shoots a few fashion shows later i got a degree in journalism which then paved my way to a buoyant career as an account director in advertising so i worked for agencies like bartle bogle hegarty in london and abbott mead vickers bbdo And then after I got married I decided to give up my career to look after my two sons. And that takes us to February 2018 when life took a very different turn. Hmm. So that's my little intro as to how I came to where I am today and certainly how so, I came to February of last year. Yes. And then February of last year there was a there was a tsunami. Yes, in yes. all it's it's in all it's um across the spectrum. Absolutely. Yes, I mean no one's ever prepared to be told they have cancer. Um our natural state is to create excuses such as you know, I don't feel tired, I haven't lost weight, but there only needs to be one sign and that's all it takes. Uh, so the day I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I played 2 hours of very good tennis in the morning. I felt mm-hmm. good. I didn't feel tired. And that was the day I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. 
by 4 p.m. that day, every single diagnostic test was pointing to a fairly advanced stage of it. And by that, I mean it had spread to my lymph nodes. So the ripples of shock in that instant go far and wide. And you never really understand mm. this until you've gone through it yourself. So that's what happened in, in February of 2018. So sorry, I just wanted to understand what so you were playing tennis and yes. so what made you go for the diagnosis what were you was it just like a regular checkup no it wasn't there was a lump so okay. i did discover a lump and again you know you make excuses you say it's probably just a cyst it's probably benign so i had decided that i would go to the doctor just to get it checked through and literally they put me through all the testing scans ultrasounds biopsies and by 4 p.m. that day they had diagnosed me and your initial reaction was my initial reaction was actually quite muted I didn't really react at all I was so concerned about my husband who was in the room with me that I sort of just took it in my stride which I would never have expected and I think that's what cancer does do. It sort of brings out the completely unexpected in you. So mm -hmm. I can say that it, no one has a relationship with cancer willingly. It's a one-way sure. train and cancer has all the control. So for the first time in life, I felt no control except with my emotions. So I tended to keep them under wraps until I was ready to express them. So that mm -hmm. took about 10 months actually to express them. So that's a pretty muted response for someone who's been told that they have quite aggressive breast cancer. Absolutely. And when you say that you kind of kept it under the wraps, mm -hmm. then, and finally, when you let it out, mm. it came out in terms of a fight or a no, flight? No, it was more sort of the tears came. I actually didn't have much emotion up until 10 months later. So it was really just the tears that finally flowed quite openly, uh, which hadn't been there. And I think it took my family by surprise because they were sort of waiting for me to react to this news, to react to the treatment, to react to pain. Uh, and that reaction didn't really come until much, much later. So that was a little bit surprising. Um, and as you said, that it kind of, uh, it just kind of cancer takes control. Yeah. Um, uh, so the tears were of helplessness, of desperation. Yes, of... And, and pain, you know. So my first obstacle came after my first session of chemotherapy. And because chemotherapy lowers your immunity, I contracted sepsis, which in sure. simple English is it's blood poisoning. And I was in hospital for 18 days. They sort of warned my husband that, you know, I was on the cusp of not making it. So cancer treatment was put on hold while they saved my life. Then I went straight back onto the chemo for five months. I had two anaphylactic shock reactions to the particular strain of chemo, so they changed that regime twice. Following the chemo, I had a month's break and then I had major surgery. And then six weeks after major surgery, I had radiation therapy. And a month after radiation therapy, I went on five months of oral chemo and finished that in June 2019, 
which took my treatment to a whole 18 months from start to finish. Yeah. What kept you going? I think my blog kept me going. I, my relationship with cancer did take a positive turn. And for some obscure reason, I found humor was a tool or perhaps it was a weapon. I don't know. But I think underneath there was a desire to protect my loved ones. So I tended to make them laugh. And that's how my blog, Breast Cancer Smiles, was born. Um, it is a contradiction in terms, Breast Cancer Smiles, because nobody really mm. smiles with cancer. But that was the journey I found myself on. And with writing my blog, obviously I'd done journalism before. I found sharing my story became a huge coping mechanism. And, you know, my blog was written in real time as I was discovering life through this different lens. And a piece of news, I'm not really able to share too many details at this point, but inshallah, it's in the process of being published into a book. So I'm very excited about that. Wow. You know, I was reading somewhere that when you were actually in the process of writing, whether you're holding a pen or a pencil mm -hmm. or, and you, um, or you're typing, yes. there are sensory stimulations in the brain. Right. Uh, whereby it... Um, it reduces um, it produces hormones which actually um, relax you, right. and that is why there is so much of importance given to journaling, especially when there is a trauma or there is you know um, grief um, or depression exactly. or anxiety. Um, so, so that uh, you know your um, your tool, as you're saying, became your weapon as well, and it was yes. all through smiles. Correct. That's absolutely true. I mean, I started my blog, but I found a deeper purpose to my illness. I felt like if you're given a second chance at life or if I do get through my treatment, this has to be, there has to be a bigger purpose to what I'm doing. And so I also found a UK registered charity that directs some of its funds to Pakistan as part of an early awareness campaign. And I raised about eight lakhs in just two months for that charity. Mm -hmm. So that was mm -hmm. an, a, very, a very positive outcome there as well on a very difficult journey. Mm -hmm. So the whole blog started my vision, my mission, and my purpose. Something was greater had to come out of it. And so, right, so the purpose whilst you were... So it was the, the cathartic writing moved into a mm -hmm. purpose and you arrived at a decision whereby you felt that you re needed to raise um, funds and awareness yes. for breast cancer. So uh, my next question is that, you know, generally, especially in our part of the world, in our, in our mm -hmm. cultures, uh, yeah. women generally don't have a voice. And even yes. if they do, they do feel... Um, somewhat shy and in, in some mm -hmm. cases ashamed of talking about their pains, um, anything to do with their reproductive organs. They yes. generally shy away from it and uh, they keep it under covers. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to like breast cancer as well, they just don't feel comfortable talking about it and they just don't feel comfortable even going for an assessment. No, not at all. Did, That's certainly so, what so, I found. Uh, you found that right okay okay so okay yes. so we're on the same page here so so yes. yeah so that's strange isn't it i mean absolutely i mean I, i'll tell you the background as to how i i came across this purpose i was in a meeting with my surgeon 
who is world renowned. And I was being very tongue in cheek and said, I didn't think Asians got breast cancer. And she said, mm. quite the contrary, quite seriously. And that prompted me to look at statistics and media articles. And I was actually quite shocked to learn the truth. If you look at World Health Organization statistics, it tells a very different story from public perception. Basically, 40,000 women in Pakistan die every year from breast cancer. That's a 50% mortality rate. Um, oh. It's the most common tumor site in females. And breast cancer tops the list of fatalities in Pakistan in cancer disease. That's all on the World Health Organization website. So mm. again, this gave my musings a mission and a purpose. I couldn't really affect demographics, but I do have the power to start to etch away at the social taboo behind this disease. Um, mm. Imran Khan did a great breast cancer campaign a few years ago, and it featured celebrities like Myra Khan and Myra Ali, amongst others. And in an attempt to evolve that, I wanted to stand up as a former model by example and own my cancer and own my breast cancer. So that was really what gave way to my mission. Mm. So how do you plan to go forward with this? Well, first and foremost, fingers crossed, I'm going to have my book published and that is part of the messaging, but it's also part of having the permission to speak to wider audiences. So I wanted to create awareness of a disease basically that's shrouded in secrecy. I wanted to create a permissive environment for women to be able to talk about it. So the book is one aspect of that. The blog is another aspect. I hope to make a trip to Pakistan and, you know, talk to some NGOs and talk to universities. Um, I wasn't, I was talking to a lady who's quite a prominent female figure in Pakistan. And I wasn't expecting the response I got when I described this epidemic and the perception of breast cancer. Her response was, we don't have that problem. Oh, yes. And so I realized that this had gone far deeper into the fabric of society than, than I had even imagined, because the problem mm. is that apparently, and there's plenty of media articles on this as well, women are so sort of ashamed they don't want to come forward so they don't talk to family members about it they don't self-examine and they present themselves at stage four when it's very very late so that's where the 50 percent mortality rate is coming from you know another thing that this very well-known female figure said was i don't believe in chemotherapy and i was quite alarmed because that's someone who has no medical background, has a lot of influence, and is telling people that homeopathic remedies are better. So I wanted to also talk about listening to one's doctor, going via traditional medicine, because I'm sitting here today because I went through the treatment, the medical treatment that I was prescribed. So mm. there's there's several prongs to you know, what I want to achieve. And there's several ways, hopefully, to be able to achieve that. Um, mm. The same World Health Organization study also looked at attitudes towards breast cancer. So myths like black yeah. magic and evil eye, you know, of course, you know, reported as reasons for not going to the doctor. So, you know, they say, you know, that sort of thing is given as a reason. Another mm, one was fate. You know, fate, mm -mm. it's my fate. 
And some women even thought they were at risk because they fed their children. So these are perceptions that I think we as a culture, not just in Pakistan, but globally as a Pakistani culture, we need to address. True. True. Okay, mm. so I have another question, which has two parts. Yes. One is mm-hmm. that can you explain um, self-examination um, for all the listeners, number one. Number two, what mm-hmm. lifestyle changes did you have to go through post-February um, 2018? Yes, as you said, you were going to the doctor and you were following um, mm-hmm. a medical a pattern that was laid out in mm-hmm. front of you but otherwise yeah. in terms of your diet in terms of your exercise in terms of your perhaps um yoga meditation um what right. changes uh, did you have to make which you feel contributed to uh, mashallah your uh, recovery yes well the unfortunate thing about cancer treatment is is that it's very very difficult to go through you lose a lot of function in your body so for example with chemotherapy you know you're absolutely exhausted your immune system is on the floor and so i wasn't able to play tennis i wasn't able to exercise you feel very very sick you're put on steroid medication which then makes you unable to sleep um so i tried to be as functional as i could and continue to sort of try and cook for my family and be as active as possible. But a lot of days, you're simply not able to be. And when you're recovered from the chemo, which I only had four weeks, I went and had major surgery. So Mm. again, that slams your body into another recovery mode. And that, after six weeks of that, radiotherapy then on the surgery and the site of the surgery caused a lot of discomfort and reaction. So when you're going through all of that, you try and boost your immunity, you try and eat properly. You know, there's a lot, there's no harm in doing that. Uh, I I believe in that, absolutely. So, you know, you can eat all the broccoli and all the turmeric you like. Um, but, But at the end of the day, it's better to eat something than not eat anything at all. So you know, sure. one tries to be as healthy as possible and as active as possible, but the cancer treatment is quite preventative in that sense. Mm-hmm. And um, self-examination? Self-examination, you know, there are so many websites that take you through uh, every single step. So women need to just understand their bodies. You can feel, you can touch, and don't be ashamed to you know, go through that process of physically self-examining. Other things to look out for is the appearance, your physical appearance, anything unusual. There is no harm in presenting it to your doctor. And I understand that Mm. in Pakistan, you know, it would be a female doctor, but there is absolutely nothing wrong with alerting your doctor to symptoms that were not there before. So just be aware of your body and how you're feeling. If you're tired, if you've lost sudden weight loss, these things all could be signs. They might be nothing, but there's no harm in raising it early. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you have a spiritual practice? I am very spiritual within myself. So I don't practice any sort of ritual, but I do believe in spirituality. 
And I have, you know, done things like yoga and breathing in the past, but I, I haven't used any techniques like that to survive this. I think my writing really helped keep my spirits up and keep my messaging positive, both to people and to myself. And I've always seen myself as someone that is a bit of a protector. So I was very concerned about my sons, my husband, my mother, my family, my sister, how to protect them as well in the journey that I was going through. So I, I tried to focus on that really and focus on being positive for those around me. Um, it's it's really you know it's some adversity has to kind of strike uh, you before you you know you kind of go underground and then you rise yes. up as a warrior for yourself and for others. However, yes. in that in that struggle and as you're explaining this intense um, mm -hmm. treatment, it yes. erodes away a lot of not just physically but a lot of emotional and mental sanity. Yes. Yes. That is um, that is the common perception, yes. So did you have to go through that? And as you said, it came out with a gush of, gush of tears after 10 months. But what I'm, my, I was just coming to the fact that when one does feel, there are times when you feel exceptionally low and you, you just don't know what to do. What did you do when you didn't know what to do? That's really interesting because this was my whole journey was very unexpected and not typical of someone going through cancer. So you're absolutely right. That is the common perception. But for me, it didn't work like, like that. I sort of was very, very focused on people around me. So I almost didn't allow my emotions to come out. I went into surgery with a smile. I came out and I think people were expecting as you say, a kind of emotional tsunami, which didn't come. I found humor in the strangest things around me. So again, we react to things in ways we had not imagined, you know, mm. and there is a prototype of a cancer patient who gets very, very low. And I simply didn't follow that pattern for whatever reason. Um, I, 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 my husband would actually say, Charles, you're actually a, a lot stronger since mm. you've been through this journey than actually you were before. So I think it surprised many people around me, but that was my mm. reaction. Um, so yeah. basically, I mean, as you say, breast cancer smiles, it has uh, brought uh, a more humorous and a more uh, laughing and a stronger version of um, Chazia. Yes, yes. I made light of very serious <laughs> situations, you know, and I think what came to me was just humor. I just had to because I think rather than cry and upset my loved ones, it didn't, I didn't go there. I just went to a place where a thought would enter my head and I'd write it down real time in my blog. And just if you read it, it, it kind of makes you want to cry at times, I'm told, and want to laugh at other times. So Oh yes, I went through your blog. Yes. You're absolutely right. Yes, yes. I mean, just so one blog takes you through the entire spectrum of emotions. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. that's I'm, my mum reads it, and she says, "I'm you know, as I said, my emotions oscillate uh, from you know tears to laughter. So 
it, it is life through a different lens. That's what I choose to call the journey rather than just a cancer chronicle. It, it doesn't really tell a story about cancer treatment. It tells a story of someone that has gone through a very intense life event and come out the other side looking at life differently. Sure. Absolutely. How beautiful is that? Um, yes. I am told that you um, cook very well. Yes. Yes, I love, I love cooking. I love cuisine. My family loves to eat, so that balance works out very well. Did you somehow have to change uh, the palate at home post this uh, discovery? I was always quite a healthy eater, so, you know, I've always been quite keen on eating vegetables and balanced protein because I used to play 10 hours of tennis a, a week. So I was very fit. I went to the gym three times a week. I played 10 hours of tennis. And so it was very important to feed my body and my family with the right amount of protein and the right amount of vegetables, carbohydrates, etc. So we've always tended to eat quite a balanced diet. When obviously you're having chemo, your taste buds can change a little bit. You also might feel quite nauseous a lot of the time. So that would affect what I ate and didn't eat. Um, but again, it's better to eat something than nothing. And it's, if you're going to eat sure. something and you don't feel like eating you know, vegetables, just eat something, put something in your body. But hel helping your immunity is a great thing. There's no wrong that can come out of that. So in terms of the hierarchy of needs for well-being, what yes. are the three things that you would put forward? I would put forward promoting your immunity, which is like what I just talked about. I would also say promoting your emotional well-being. That's absolutely half the battle. I remember I was having chemo one day and I don't know why I stated the obvious. I said to the nurse, I said, you know, I'm quite a positive person. And she said... You'll be surprised how many negative people don't make it through the treatment. And mm. I was very alarmed to hear that. So, you know, again, your emotions are very important. Um, keeping those in check, keeping... And then that's easily said, but it's very hard to do. And I, I know that because I've experienced this firsthand. And then third, I felt that because I had a greater mission a greater purpose than just my cancer whether i survived that or not i wanted something larger to come out of this and certainly the way i felt about pakistan and my patriotism and how much trouble our women are in i felt that as a previous model and i i could come up and really own this and talk about it so that mm. i could lift this terrible taboo that is in our culture of course, of course. Uh, okay, so just moving towards the, the, the end of our conversation, I have some yeah. um, questions for you where you will answer them in one word or just a phrase perhaps. Okay. Okay, so um, what do you think is the soul? The soul, I think, is our spiritual connection. And, and I think the soul is something that evolves, but also something that I believe outlasts humanity, it outlasts the body. So I'm reading a book at the moment called Many Lives, Many Masters, and it's 
written by a psychologist and it's Dr. Ben Weir. It's a brilliant book, but it's about afterlife and it's a, it's a true story about one of his patients who came back through many lives. So to mm. me, the soul is our spirituality in a way. What do you think is the most beautiful thing in this world? I think it's looking at life through a different lens and appreciating, you know, all the things around us. So I found appreciation for nature. I found an appreciation for humor, the, the world around us. That I really did take a, a different look at. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? My 20-year-old self? I would say, look after your body, your immunity. Don't charge so fast. Take stock mm. of life before you, you know, learn how to walk before you start to run is probably the best wow. piece of advice. Yes, 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 yes. So that's you giving us advice. But what is the wisest thing that you've heard someone say? The wisest thing I've heard someone say? Well, my mother, my mother actually said to me, life is pain. And I've never looked mm. at life like that, because I'm, I'm, I'm quite a positive person. But I do see that we can look at life as pain. And we can also emerge the other end, though, because I wouldn't con I wouldn't describe myself as someone in emotional pain at this minute. There's still physical pain. There's still more surgery to come. But I think you can evolve to a higher plane of greater peace, at least in your mind. Once you know that, um, as your mother said, life is pain. Yeah. Yeah. I think and, you can um, use that to evolve. That's true. That's true. And, and it's amazing, really. It's, it's, uh, it's really encouraging. And it opens up so many whales and clears up so many cobwebs when, um, when I've, I mean, through this conversation, what, what, his, what I've realized is that, um, you know, you have developed a beautiful relationship uh, with, with the pain, where yes. you've acknowledged it, where you yes. have smiled through it and yeah. you've also been um, lucky enough to find a purpose out of it yes absolutely and it's very interesting i was trying to think of the words in urdu because i was trying to say there is no shame in breast cancer and actually when you change the wording it doesn't really work because you can't say there is no shame because it's besharam which translates to shameless <laughs> So I thought to myself, how do you say there is no shame in breast cancer when no shame doesn't exist in a positive way and the word breast doesn't exist? So what I actually came out with was, you know, we shouldn't be embarrassed. And that was the best way I can put the messaging to women in our culture. Because um, certainly you can't say there's no shame in breast cancer. You're absolutely right. We should not be ashamed and we should not be ashamed to be ashamed to be ashamed to be 
करेक्ट करेक्ट सो देर इज हमें अब चुप नहीं रहना हमने अपनी आवाज ढूंढनी है करेक्ट बिल्कुल सही है एंड यू नो आई ऑफन से दैट समहाउ द इंग्लिश लैंग्वेज इज वेरी रिस्ट्रिक्टिव बिकॉज उर्दू हैज so many words for so many things um, yes. and as you we've just kind of come up with so many of them um yeah shazia thank you so much it's uh, it's truly truly been wonderful um listeners if you are listening uh, i will be sharing details um of shazia's blog and social media um handles in the show notes and also details of her charity in the show notes and shazia i am assuming that inshallah when you will be going to pakistan uh, we will be informed about it absolutely i will be talking about that on social media certainly on my blog and i hope to video the trip because it will be quite iconic returning home to karachi after such a long time and after such a huge journey thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to have a greater voice on your podcast best of luck and all all health smiles and recovery to you stay safe thank you stay so healthy. much thank you thank you so much sadia thank you thank you so much for listening and we would be most humbled if you can leave us with a comment a rating or a suggestion thank you